0: Thanks for joining us this week on the show. I'm so excited to introduce you to Connie Durham, who's gonna share some of her insights through her own history and experience and relationships and raising three children as a very busy working mom and now helping couples to deepen that bond and open up those lines of communication so that their relationships can thrive. I know you're gonna love this conversation. Thanks for joining us. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with me this week to introduce you to a marvelous friend of mine who I know is going to share some insights and real gems to help you thrive and and really nurture those skills that help your relationships blossom. Today I am joined by Connie Durham while raising her three kids. Connie taught ballet in the evenings, and for 21 years she served in a leadership position with Mary Kay Cosmetics, where she drove several free cars, won seven diamond rings, and hundreds of prizes from the company. So really a master of wearing all the hats. (laughs) As the CEO of Connie's Clever Concepts, she ignites new life and energy in relationships using communication styles that you can use in your marriage, with your kids, and with your work team, because everything we do is communication, right, Connie? Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad to have you with me. Yes, ma'am. Susie, glad to be here. So I'd love to know a little bit more about, I think, and I I talked with another busy mom who kind of planted her flag in reclaiming what brings her joy. But I always admire how moms do wear all the hats and keep everything up in the air. And sometimes that communication, that relationship with your partner or having the time and space to hear your kids out, sometimes that communication can really get lost in everything else that's going on. So how did you come to put a priority or recognize that value and communication?
1: Well, first, Susie, that is exactly right. A lot of times in marriage, we literally We know we we start out with that great spark with our spouse and they're the center of our attention and then work takes over and then there's kids. And suddenly we just don't like see each other anymore. You know, we're like, partners passing in the wind and we just don't take time for each other and so we want to make sure that we live our life on purpose you know it's much better to be proactive and figure things out than to have to be reactive that's when we find ourselves in conflict right So basically I raised my three kids. They're all grown. They all have, we have a couple of blended families. And so all in all, I have 14 grandkids. And like I said, that comes from a a blended family. Not all in one, not all in one family. Years ago, I had all my kids get married in 18 months. And that is when I really realized that all families are not alike and that, we have to pay attention and kind of bring our family values and traditions and all that kind of thing together. Otherwise there can be some great conflict in that, but through the, you know, I've taught, like I said, ballet, I've worked with Mary Kay Cosmetics and, you know, we each take everything that we learn and we bring it forward into our next thing. And so right now that's what I am doing is my next thing. And I'm all about helping people live their best life and pour into their marriage. You know, what do you want your marriage to be? And I like that statement that says, begin with the end in mind. What do you want it to look like in five years, 10, 20 years? You got to think about that now.
0: Mm, And, and that really calls to mind too. And I am certainly not blameless in this. You know, we find our partner and we want to build careers. And, you know, for those who are raising their own children, I'm a stepmother to a wonderful woman. I can claim no, you know, great input to her greatness through her childhood years. She was an adult when I met my husband. And we feel like sometimes that relationship, our partner can just hold on let me do this thing. Let me get this off my list. I need to focus on this right now. We'll come back to us. And mm-hmm. I think that's a real, we start to lose that opportunity and, and to a degree, lose that trust in each other when we, we start to take it for granted.
1: I agree with that. You know, one of the things that I did through the years was even though we had three kids, you know, we're on the the bench at church. And so often we put our kids between us. Now, sometimes we do that, you know, so that we can, you know, Make sure they're not talking or playing or distracting or that kind of thing. But truly, you know, always stay in right next to your spouse, sitting beside your spouse and putting the kids on the side. And my husband and I, you know, this may be really quirky, but we still hold hands a lot because he likes to hold hands. That goes back to the love languages <laughs> and that's his love language is touch. And so we're always holding hands.
0: Yeah, so valuable. And that's another great thing I, I bet we'll come back around to is understanding the love languages and knowing that we can't show love in only the way that we love to receive love. Mm-hmm. That's right. I want to make sure I didn't twist my tongue on that sentence, but I think it came out the way that I intended. I It's all it. love. <laughs> yes, and, and I think that's a really great point. You know, those little choices really do add up. And so I think that's a great example of, you know, we start to do some things out of, you know, it seems to make sense, but ultimately bigger picture wise, right? We want to be modeling that pattern that's going to help us move forward. And I think that patterns are really important. You know, so much of what we do kind of is habit because we're so occupied doing other things in life. How do you see in your work and in your own experience and family kind of pouring over and affecting lifestyle and work and other places where we show
1: up? Well, first of all, home is where the heart is. And so we want to have a peaceful home. We want to have a home where people support each other. They can trust each other. They're there for each other. And so if you have a lot of conflict in your home, then That's going to create frustration. It creates frustrations for mom and dad. And if you have kids, it creates frustration for your children. And a lot of times when we're dealing with things as adults, we literally forget that the kids, you know, they got those two ears. They're always hearing the things they're not supposed to, and they're going to hear stuff. And sometimes there's children that worry about everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to be proactive and to take that time when you see that you are having some problems or conflict and, and try to fix it. Now, sometimes it's literally because we're low on energy. You know, we had a stressful day we all try to do too much, right? You know, we're running the kids here, running the kids there. And the thing is to stop and look at your schedule and think, what can i get done what do i want to do and always remember that when you say yes to one thing you're saying no to the other mm-hmm. and whenever you were talking about you know problems sometimes it's like uh, in our marriages, we're like putting out a fire. (laughs) And so whatever's the hottest, we go and we take care of that. And then, and then whatever's the hottest or loudest, we go do that. And so that's how we end up forgetting about our spouse. So if our spouse isn't loud, or they're easygoing, then they can easily be forgotten sometimes.
0: Yes, yes, so true. And I see that too, in seeing how people are letting stress kind of take the wheel and drive their reactions. There's so many places where we can't let things go where we can't express ourselves right we tend to bite our tongue or stuff our emotions and then when we get home at the end of the day we're tired we're worn out that you know strength is sapped and the littlest thing can suddenly be a trigger and then it's landing in exactly the wrong place you know we're unleashing on the people that we would want to hurt least in the world they're Mm. the ones that are there and so I think that's a really good point to recognize you know the difference like The squeaky wheel (laughs) isn't always what needs to get that grease right we need to bring our attention to our relationship to keeping peace in the home so that the kids feel secure you know even when it seems like other things are, are demanding our attention a little bit more definitely and i remember that too as a child you know the stress that i could tell my parents were dealing with and they probably thought that they were keeping it in check around us but it definitely influenced the way that i felt myself.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So what are what are some ways that when people are kind of in these patterns or stuck, you know, just getting through the day? Because certainly, I mean, there's there's no denying stress. I don't pretend that it's not an issue you know, we can start to build the habits to build the muscle and choose how we show up to it. But how do you help people kind of begin thinking and seeing opportunity or ways in which they can change their patterns?
1: Well, I think the number one thing is that when somebody just comes in at the end of the day, it might be the children that come in, you know, or your spouse that comes in, or maybe you're working at home. You don't come in. You're home all day long. You would like to get out, right? But... Different people need different ways to refill that cup. And some people, you know, they need that time to just go and sit and chill, you know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, maybe a half hour, and then they're okay. Maybe they've been with people all day long and they're a person who needs their space. And so even though they're home and they love everyone there, they still need their space. When another person can come in and they're chatty and they're ready to talk and they wanna talk about their day. So if you're, kind of opposites and you're married, then you kind of have to figure out by talking about it. You know, honey, if you could give me 10 minutes or, and, and then when you do come together to talk, you know, I was just saying to somebody today, it's important to be eye to eye that whenever you're talking to them, you're looking at them and they know you're listening and you care. I always like to say people have a sign around their neck and that neck, that neck, that sign says, make me feel important make me feel important and that's every single person that you'll ever come across they all have that sign that says make me feel important now some people don't want you to draw attention to them but everybody has that sign make me feel important and eye contact and listening to somebody is one of the ways that you make them feel important think about whenever we are trying to talk to our spouse and they're not looking at us. And you think, hello, are you listening? <laughs> you know, if they don't respond or something, where they get, sometimes they're not, right? They're not listening. So just learning people's energy and what people need. And that takes a little time to, to stop and talk about it.
0: It does, it does. And the, that gift of presence, right, is exactly what they like to say. Being present for each other, being available is priceless. Um, But everybody does have a different energy, a different speed to, you know, decompress from work, or I loved your example, you know, super eager to engage and chat, you know, my husband works around the house. And then when I get home, he's just eager to share everything. Right. And, and sometimes I need to say, okay, I'm going to be back in five minutes. And he's learning to expect that. So it doesn't set him back the way that it used to. And he says, okay. You know, I, I go off, and do my thing, I get to put some things down and refresh, and then I can be present. I'm not trying to catch up with a couple of text messages on my phone. Oh, my gosh, gadgets are the worst for breaking that presence, right? Yes. Yeah, I think it's so important to, to acknowledge that. It's not second nature. It takes some attention to these things.
1: Well, and, you know, gadgets and phones are not something we had 20 years ago or 25 years ago. And so with every new technology, we have to figure out how do we handle that? Mm -hmm. And that also makes me think, Susie, about the fact that I know for myself, this is not what I'm supposed to be talking about, but for myself working from home, I have to put a time limiter and write other things that I need to do on my schedule also in order to get them done. Like I said, there was a little sidetrack, a side note.
0: (laughs) But I think it's really important because that, understanding the way that we work, not falling down that slippery slope of just five more minutes, I'll be right with you, right? But being knowing ourselves and our patterns and saying, Okay, I'm going to put a stop at the end of the workday, especially as you mentioned, working from home, it's so slippery, it's bleeding over into all of our free time, and really starting to undermine this ability to be close and present for each other, I think.
1: Yeah, I would say you hit the the nail on the head right there with that is a, a big part of helping your family come together for dinner time, you know, and setting that time aside and putting those phones where you can't hear them vibrate even. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Giving yourself that
0: time out opportunity. Beautiful. Um Something that I, I see a lot, it's always been very interesting to me. It took me quite a while to settle down, find my match, marry my husband. Next summer, it'll be 10 years. And it's always been interesting to me how sometimes people are birds of a feather, but a lot of times it seems like opposites attract. What's your experience in seeing how that happens? And, and how does that translate then as time goes on?
1: Okay, so when we start to talk about opposites, that takes me into my expertise area and that is how people communicate differently. Often we expect people to think the way we do, to make decisions the way we do. And what happens with opposites is they literally attract because of their differences. That quiet, conservative person who doesn't talk a lot. They're intrigued with that talkative, free spirited, chatty person. And that easygoing person who is maybe not able to just speak right out, you know, they get hooked up with that very direct person who will speak for them and will take up for them and take care of them. And so sometimes because we're opposite, we get matched up and we fall in love with that person who is our opposite. But you have to really be careful when that happens because sometimes, because you're opposites, you will like squelch the other person. So that person who's talkative, free-spirited, that other person's like, don't draw attention to yourself and I don't really wanna hear you talk that much. I know that uh, easygoing person who marries that very direct and driven person, and they answer for them. Well, that's nice, but then um, maybe they don't get a chance to talk, or that person always speaks for them. Also, there's a style that is kind of ruled by like anything that goes on. They, they, their top emotion is anger, and they will explode easily. And if they marry that easygoing person, that easygoing person won't fight, and so. They just take that tongue lashing all the time and they don't say anything. But then what happens is someday they're like, I'm over it. and like, they're gone. You no, know, but at that point they already made a decision and they're gone. And so we really have to watch out for opposites because although we can fill in for each other, we also can crush each other because of that.
0: Mm. Ooh, that's a really important point. I think that's so powerful. Because I can see that I can see how you know if someone isn't normally extroverted and find it easily easy to engage in groups, it's lovely to have a partner who can bridge that gap and make it easy to mingle at parties until they start speaking for you or their energy fills the room and you start to feel a little compressed, a little, you know, unable to express yourself. So that's such a good recognition. And, and I feel like I'm sure the through line, because of course, it's the reason that you love to shine a light on communication is going back to finding that opportunity to express when we feel frustrated. Sometimes it's hard to put our finger on what it is that has us frustrated, but if we're not communicating it, then those patterns, just as you said, suddenly, poof, I'm done with this relationship. And the other person is just shaking their head. They'd have no idea, never saw it coming, which can be
1: devastating. Well, you know, some people like to talk it out and some people just think, and they don't say anything. And so, you know, if you like to talk it out, you're always expressing your opinion and how you feel, feel, feel about everything. But that other person, they don't talk about it. And then also remember, like when we think about listening, and remember how listening is a very important thing and having that eye contact. So that person who doesn't talk very much, they need to be listened to, but we have to be quiet in order for them to have that chance to talk. So, you know, that kind of thing is important. And, you know, people don't mean to smush each other and to smash each other. You know, they got married because they want to have a great life. And that's also when they come to me is when they need that help and understanding, because once you start to understand that that person is not doing something just to pester you or to get under your skin, they're doing that because that's just how they are. And that's the thing with the communication skills is that we all communicate differently. We make decisions differently. And when we can learn about our spouse and learn more about ourselves, but when we learn about our spouse, then this little light bulb comes on and it goes click. And you understand, oh, that's why they do that. And you just thought they are doing that just to irritate me.
0: <laughs> they just know how to get under my skin. Well, they might not. <laughs> They might have no idea right so when um when there is when it gets to be that point where every conversation feels triggered where it feels like you're arguing more than connecting you know when there's really trouble in paradise is there hope or how do you see people kind of come to terms with that
1: well what i've realized as i started helping people with the actual communication in their home that it overflows From there, as a couple, it overflows into your whole family with your kids. Learning how to communicate communicate flows into your work life. You begin to understand why people do things and how they make decisions. You learn to appreciate them for who they are and what they're good at. And you start to focus on what they're good at. And everything changes because typically negative things tend to get our attention. You turn on the news today, you know, do they talk about anything except for stuff that happened? No. So negative tends to get people's attention. And sometimes we simply get stuck on it and we can't get past it. But you know, there is hope for people when they decide to take a look at it. Guess who we have to look at first? Ourselves. (laughs) Imagine that. So the first thing we have to do is look at ourselves. I remember my daughter when she was on dance team in high school, and she usually has tons of friends and she's a helpful person, a supportive person. But one day she came home and she's like, Mom, I'm having trouble with the girls on dance team. And I forget exactly what the problem was, but like they weren't being nice, you know, and her, you know, there's always two sides to everything, right? But they weren't being nice. And so I don't know if she had come to me a time or two on that. And so, you know, I'm not usually that direct. I'm kind of indirect usually, but that day it just came out. Just those right words that needed to come out. And I said, I didn't really think about it. It Just came forward. I said, well, have you thought, you know, could it be you? And I didn't Now How did I say that tone of voice right now? If I said, wow, did you ever think that it could be you? <laughs> can you imagine how that would go over? But no, I said, do you think it could be you? Because I'm in it in a nice, loving way. And you know, she looked and she, she was thinking, and I never heard anything else about it. And so what did she do? She stopped and she said, Hmm, what have I done? Could it be me? And whatever it was, she figured it out.
0: Hmm, that power of curiosity. That's something that I love to come back to. And, and as you said, in that tone, you know, there was no like accusation or blame or just waiting for her to fill in the blank, right? But honest curiosity, like, wow, what could it be? What are the factors here? What's within our control? And I, I think that bringing that curiosity in is so helpful, especially when we're trying to see what's going on, where things are breaking down, what could be our part in this? What could be what the other person is dealing with? Because I think sometimes too, we can only see through our own eyes, we don't understand what other people are coming to us with, you know, coming from in their experience.
1: Yeah, and uh, one of the things I always tell couples is, there's two sides <laughs> to everything. You know, it doesn't matter. There's not just a right and just a wrong. Often there is the middle ground. And sometimes whenever you talk to somebody else about something, they see the middle ground because I can see your side and I can see my side. And I think that's that's probably one of my superpowers. Maybe my mother developed that as I was growing up, learning to look at things from the other person's mm-hmm. point. View, and that that really opens things up I like to say put on their shoes and that means put on their shoes and really stop and think about all the aspects in their life and how does this look to them now that cuts down a lot of conflict between people and I was thinking about let's see if I could go back to it on the opposites oh dear let's see it was something about introverts and extroverts let's see I'm not sure I can pull it back up Pink,
0: it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can jar it loose as it we come more. back. <laughs> but yeah, I I think there really is a lot of magic in in that balance when we acknowledge that it's a dance and we don't fall into patterns again and, and, and lose that awareness. That's uh, one of the things that I was thinking about as, as you were talking too, is the things that get our attention, right? We do tend to zero in on the negative. We tend to focus on the problems. And the more that we can put our attention to what is going right, what, you know, what they are doing, like evidence that they're being thoughtful and not self-centered or, you know, oblivious to our gestures of love, that's a really big, powerful shift in perspective too. In stopping that, finding a way to break ourselves out of that focus on the,
1: you know, and one way to do that is maybe if you're having a lot of trouble with something, journaling, you know, stopping and writing down your thoughts. And then you know go back and look and see, you know, what you're writing. Are you only writing about your frustrations? You know, and sometimes we literally get stuck in a cycle of negativity. And that's about us. And only we can stop and fix that. And so what is it that floats your boat? What makes you happy? Sometimes things are going on in life and you have to figure out what makes me happy? And some of that goes back to the love languages. Actually, I have that as a free gift at the end, but it goes back to the love languages, what is your love language? What is their love language? Um, sometimes, turning on some great music, whatever your favorite music is, gets you out of a a funk. Sometimes purposely mentally stopping to think, hearing yourself whenever you're using negative words. And even to ourselves, (laughs) you know, we even do that to ourselves. I mean, like sometimes we're the worst giving ourselves negative words. So we get caught in a cycle then. Maybe our, I want to say, snide comments. Sometimes we make snide comments and then that causes trouble, but really trying to follow the golden rule treat others the way you want to be treated. And, you know, if we have a, a, a tendency towards a little, temper or that we're short with people, then we have to know that and learn to use a pause button. And I know what that was, I was going to say a minute ago, it was talking about being direct and indirect. Mm. When people are indirect, they find a way to nicely tell somebody something they need to know, right? Maybe there's a problem or something going on, but then there are those people who are direct and they tell you straight up, they tell you like it is. Now, you know what? There's pluses on both sides. The super direct person, now sometimes they can hurt people's feelings, but but you know where you stand with them. They tell you just like it is. But the indirect person, they always present things in a nice way, right? But sometimes they're so indirect that you don't actually receive the message because they're so indirect to go all the way around the world. And you don't even know. Sometimes I would tell my husband that because he is so, so nice and he is indirect and he is so indirect that if he's ever slightly direct with me, I'm like, bing, pay attention to that. Cause you know, he never tells me anything in that way, but uh, he's so indirect that if he had, has to tell somebody something, sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm hearing him telling them on the phone or something like that. And I'm like, they don't even know what you're actually, (laughs) you're like so indirect, they don't even know. But those kind of things also make a difference in our family, in our marriage, you know, um, because sometimes we could really hurt somebody's feeling if we're too direct, right?
0: Yeah, another really powerful point. I can definitely see that in our relationship. I like to say I'm diplomatic, but I think frankly, I tend to be indirect. (laughs) And my husband, you know, really cuts to the chase and and it does, you know, understanding how the person you are communicating with your partner, your children, someone at work, if their pattern is to be direct, you know, you don't respond quite as quickly. Oh, they're just getting right to the point. They are just, you know, very straightforward. Whereas someone else, like you said, that's a really great point. You, they still don't manage to drive it home all the time, which can be a problem in and of itself, right? lacking clarity how can anybody move forward everybody know what's on the table oh really good points i love it i love it and so you mentioned let's go ahead and share a little bit i love the gift that you're making available to our audience and i think it's so important to know a little bit more about our love languages
1: absolutely now i'm not going to tell you all about those because i want people to get the the love languages and it's contained in just four minutes and so in four minutes You can figure out your love language and your spouse's love language. The thing is this, we all share our love language in different ways. And if you can simply know the top love language for your spouse, then no matter what your personality style, you can lean into that and make sure that you give them that, right? I know for me, mine was always time. And so it's it's that quality time thing where, That makes me feel loved if my, my spouse is taking that time with me. And often we get so busy. We go back to the beginning where we were talking, we get so busy that we forget to pay attention to what's most important to our spouse. And there again, all the different personality styles predict some of this, even on the love languages.
0: Yeah, and it's so powerful because I think it'll be interesting. I'd love to hear from the audience, you know, share a comment if you're catching this on the web page or in the YouTube video, how easy it is to to know, first identify your own love language, but also is it a surprise to find out what your partner's love language is? I think it's really powerful information because I think that leads to a lot of communication. I, I think I agree with you. My love language is probably quality time. My husband's is words of affirmation. And as soon as I got that, you know, there's a lot more flow and it doesn't take a lot to acknowledge the little things that he does all throughout the day. And then he just lights up and makes him so happy to be acknowledged, right?
1: Why wouldn't you pour a little love out there for somebody that makes your life so good It's great? a simple thing. And, you know, styles of people just don't give compliments. Like they just don't give compliments. They're, they're, sometimes perfectionist and so they don't give compliments because they don't compliment themselves they can't do everything right the way they want to and you certainly cannot do things well enough to get a compliment <laughs> so but if that's somebody's love language then you have to you know what we say fake it till you make it
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah yeah Sometimes those habits feel a little awkward, a little
0: stilted, but those patterns can be developed. It comes a little more easily with practice. So yeah, it's worth, it's worth kind of trying on something that feels a little awkward to start perhaps. <laughs> Marvelous. And to, to start to wrap things up, what are some ways in which that you see people can start to make shifts where they are? How can we start to improve our relationship starting today?
1: Well, you know, one of the things I do is a five-day challenge several times during the year, and it's called, Honey, Listen Up. (laughs) And so listening would be one of the first things that you can do. Listening and letting your spouse know that, that you are paying attention to them. And then remember we talked about that sign around your neck that says, Make me feel important. So if you're thinking about your spouse at this minute, what could you do to make your spouse feel important? You know, So often what we're thinking about is how can he make me feel important, right? We get too focused on ourselves and we forget to pay attention to the other side. And so there we go back to putting on the shoes of the other person and making sure that you are looking at it from their point of view. Everything looks different from the top of the mountain, right? that it does from down in the valley. So there's literally hope for every couple. Another thing that I've found that does cause people trouble is past experiences. It's kind of like where we come from. Where do we come from? What do, what do we love about our childhood? What traditions do we love? What do we want to leave behind? What are we like? I don't want to do that when I grow up. And, you know, often we find ourselves doing the same things that our parents did. Maybe things that we didn't like. And we certainly want to take all those wonderful things our parents taught us and and bring them forward. And so in our relationship, we want to take the time to think. And I like to call it a roadmap. You know, begin with the end in mind. Literally... Are you headed in the direction that you want to go? Because guess what? You have choices. You have choices and you get to choose where you go. Doesn't matter where you've been. It matters where you wanna go. So you wanna think now about what do I want my marriage to look like? No, I can't control the other person but I can control myself. I can feed myself good and positive things. You know, as a person of, of faith, you know, I believe in prayer and taking that time to pray about things, you know, so you want to think I get to make choices and I can choose what I put in my mind and who I hang out with and what I hang on to. One thing would be don't hold a grudge. <laughs> Sometimes we hold a grudge and who does that make miserable? Us. If we're holding a grudge about something, think about it. Write it down in a book. Pull out the paper, crumble it up, and throw it away.
0: Yes, that's marvelous. Because not everything, not every emotion, needs to be shared. I'm a big advocate. We need to recognize and feel our emotions so that they don't wait, lie in wait for later on to be triggered. But not every emotion needs to be shared. Journaling, writing things down, you know put on some good music i think we mentioned earlier dance around shift the energy so that you can bring yourself back to the frame of mind i like to to kind of delineate the difference between reacting and you know we tend to do that when things get heated versus responding and having more awareness what do you want to move things towards and so i love that begin with the end in mind because sometimes we do just get swept up in the tide, we go through the days, we rely on these patterns, and maybe we aren't clear about where we're heading. And so it's great to check in and see, is this the way that I want my relationship to feel? I think that's really empowering.
1: And you know, one more thing that we probably said earlier also was, remember that when you say yes to one thing, you have to say no to something else. And when we get our schedule too full, we end up draining all our energy And when we're drained, we have no patience. I mean, we're all like that. I know I have more patience now. Why? I don't have any little children. And so when I I could keep my grandkids and I I could keep them for a couple of days, and it really doesn't bother me because I only have them a couple of days and my total focus is on them. But, you know, when you have children at home, the more you have on your plate, the, the more your energy is drained. And you have to be the one to refill your cup. That's one of my favorites,
0: too. That's one of my favorites, too. We can't be looking. And I think we did kind of breeze through this earlier. So I do want to kind of like seize this and, and drive the point home. We can't look to other people to bring us happiness, right? right? We have to fill our own cup. We have to make that time for ourselves. We can't always put ourselves at the end of the list because the kids are needy because we need to do this to show up for our spouse or the work or the PTA meeting or what have you, when we fill our own cup, it's easier to have a little happiness and joy, right? We're not so good. We have positive energy to give to others. <laughs> yes. We need that. And they wanna have that from us too. So it really is a win win marvelous we're going to have your contact information in the show notes but for folks who are listening to us on the go tell people how they can find you, you.
1: can find me on facebook connie's clever concepts on my pay, business page and connie's clever concepts.com i have you know free gifts i have things you can listen to for free and that's where you'll find my classes communication secrets for spouses and, and lots of free stuff though and so the thing is to stop and decide what you need and to start like you know like Susie said fill in your mind with where you want to be what you want Mm -hmm. positive things you know instead of getting hung up on what is keeping you hung up yes
0: yes very well put we need to break out of that so we can start moving towards the the things that light us up and enjoy the people that we love
1: right totally
0: Marvelous. Thank you so much, Connie. This has been a really great conversation. Is there anything we didn't have a chance to dive into or anything else that's come up along the way? I want to make sure you have a chance to share.
1: That is so kind of you. You know what? The last thing I would just say is to you know to build that life that you want to have no matter where you come from mm-hmm. that you can choose where you want to go but you have to keep that one thing in front of you making that decision daily and stopping and thinking i think so often that people forget to stop and think and we just follow others we fall into habits of just rolling along with the punches and yeah we do have to do that sometimes but know decide what you want your life to look to look like and then make the decision to find the ways to make it what you want it to be and to pour that into your marriage because when you do that you know i like to say happy couples equal happier kids and i'll stop it.
0: that's a powerful one to leave with thank you absolutely true happy couples lead to happy kids and we're resolving some generational stuff so i think that the tools we're giving our younger generations are so empowering and uplifting thank you connie that's been wonderful i really appreciate your making time to join me on the show thank you so much take good care
1: thank you susie best wishes
0: thanks for joining us today To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit HappifiedLife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.